You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Eat it, Jim. Eat it, Phyllis. Eat. Where's Stanley? He's in the bathroom. Will you run into the bathroom and tell him to eat it? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Hey, David, I'm back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that out. So I want to just very briefly touch on Jamal Adams again, and I promise it's going to be brief this time. I just kind of ran out a little bit on what I think he could get paid and what his contract could look like just to give more of a, you know, just a better picture because I'm saying stuff like, well, we're not going to pay him that much in the first year and just kind of generality. So um, just kind of picked out a random contract, well, not a random contract, a, the most recent really high contract, I guess. Applied that to Jamal Adams and uh, on and on we go. But I got that, a couple other things, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, yadi blada blada. You know how we do. But anywho's, you know, couldn't wake up and whatnot, so get in the group, like the page, leave a review. By the way, I got a phone number. I'm not 100% opposed to having a listener who calls in, taking a snippet of that and playing it before the intro, as opposed to The Office or Sanford and Son or whatever. Maybe once in a while, depending on somebody and what they say, and I'm just throwing it out there. Doesn't cost you anything to call. Worst thing that could happen, you get too obnoxious and I block the number. That's that's about it, and that costs you nothing. But if you have questions, comments, random thoughts, night terrors, whatever, call in sometime. Exorcisms, you know, I mean, the list is nearly endless. I am going to draw the line at spoken word, though. I do not call me with that. Instant block. I don't even... I don't... What? I Never mind. Haikus, also forbidden. Anyways, let's take a break and uh, start, start the rambling. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So why don't we start with uh, seemingly big news that I can't find any reason for why it's interesting. Ms. Martha Ford is stepping down as owner of the Detroit Lions. Which, again, feels like big news, but I've already talked about the Lions, as well as talking about lots of other teams that are similar to the Lions, that are owned by um, sort of absentee landlords, if you will. Essentially what you have on occasion are people with a lot of money buying football teams that don't necessarily know much about football, but you know maybe they like football a lot, maybe they don't, it's just kind of a power play. You know, we've got an organization in my city. Sure be a shame if I didn't own it kind of thing. Imagine the horror of some other person owning something in my city. Whatever. Then, that person who maybe cares but maybe doesn't, doesn't really matter. Either way, they're too busy with actually bigger things than football, which is shocking to me. Like, this is my fourth biggest enterprise, an NFL football team. And then they pass that on to their kids, as well as all their other businesses. And if you know anything about passing on money and businesses to kids, usually that doesn't last very long. Within a generation or two, the money generally dries up, unless you're, you know, one of the big giant families out there. But even that, give it a couple extra generations, it'll be gone. The point is, being the kind of person who can amass such things is a very unique one-in-a-trillion type of situation. The odds of your kids being the kind of person that can carry these things on is pretty slim. So we're starting off with somebody that maybe isn't interested or even good at running a football team to begin with, passing it on to their kids, which there's no reason to believe they would be any more interested, talented, good, whatever. And you have Martha Ford who then really, it sounds mean, but she doesn't have any qualifications for being the owner of a football team. And then she puts in position of power her kids. Now granted, they hire people, but it's just not a very good structure. Especially when, in the case of the Detroit Lions, they literally are hiring people out of their, you know, Ford Enterprise business people to come in and, hey, would you mind uh, stepping over and helping to manage this other endeavor of ours? Right? It's not football. It's, I've got this other side business and I need some help managing it. Maybe finding talent to coach the team and et cetera, et cetera. 
which I forget exactly how it's structured, but but all the major power pieces generally are, are family. And then I think there's another really big high up person who is from the Ford business who kind of runs the business side of it. And then under that, you got a GM and a head coach, which if you want to know how much power they have, they're both probably going to be fired before the year is out. So the only football people that are there get hired by non-football people, try to cobble together a team with whatever kind of support they can get from people who are, you know, I mean, it'd be nice as a GM or a coach to kind of look at the owner and say, hey, you know, some resources, some help, some guidance, some whatever. You know, you think about Green Bay, they're building based on culture. What What is Detroit building on? Some report that was printed off of a computer from this business guy? Some guy that he knows at another business about something? Or I mean, what, it just, you get what I'm saying? It doesn't really make sense. So anyways, um... Basically, the only difference that I can see is that it's being passed from the second generation to the third generation, and although it's entirely possible that at some point you hit somebody that, you know, grew up with this football team and is a diehard and really studied and really worked hard and really has just been chomping at the bit to turn this thing around and has been studying and doing all this kinds of stuff, and they're really going to nail it, there's very little chance of that. And here's the biggest reason. If you really want to know how to run a football team, guess what you got to do? You got to leave Detroit. <laughs> and I don't mean that just because it's a bad team, although I do mean that. How do you know how to run a football team if all you've ever been exposed to is how to run a football team poorly? It's like going off to a deserted island and growing up with people that don't know how to read and saying, well, maybe one of these generations somebody will learn how to read. No, dude, you got to get off the island. You got to go somewhere else where they know how to read. They got to teach you how to read. Then you can go back to your island and teach everybody else how to read. It, it doesn't happen through osmosis, right? It's not going to travel. The wind isn't going to carry that to you. you got to go be somewhere else. Go intern somewhere. Go see if you can get a job. I'm sure your parents can hook you up somehow. I'm sure they have connections with other owners and be like, Look, I got this kid. She's uh, 17. She really wants to get, you know, she actually takes this stuff pretty seriously. It's weird. But anyway, she wants to learn, uh, you know, different football things. So, yeah, would you mind, you know, just as an intern, kind of showing her the ropes. Get her a bunch of those jobs. Have her kind of work her way through and work her way up and whatever. Then you bring her back and she's got all this experience on how to run a football team and does it semi-adequately. Not sure the Fords and the Crafts have uh, a tight relationship, but that would have been a nice place for her to work for a while. But nonetheless, Sheila Ford, uh, daughter of Martha Firestone Ford, who is daughter of, I don't know, Firestone person. It's the other thing, she's not even married into it. I mean, she's not even the direct lineage. She married into the lineage. It's, it's just, it's so far disconnected from the original owner who maybe wasn't even tied to football in any way anyways. I mean, just, just a cursory Google search on Sheila Ford. Obviously, she went to Yale, because obviously... She was among the first in her class. She received a master's degree in teaching and early childhood education and is now running the Detroit Lions. In fact, according to this, she didn't even become involved with the Detroit Lions until 2014, which is when her mom took over the team. So her mom took over. Suddenly she goes from a teacher, I guess? It doesn't say anywhere on this Wikipedia page that she taught, but maybe that's just not relevant enough or interesting enough. I don't know. It says, in 2015, Ford was involved in the decision to fire Tom Luan and Martin Mayhew. 2019, she was involved in retention of general manager Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. 
and in 2020 she took over. There's, there's, this is dumb. This is just dumb. This is a birthright. She doesn't have a single clue what she's doing. And it has nothing to do with anything about her as a human. No human being on Earth gets a master's degree. What? First of all, I'm getting hung up on the wrong stuff here, but why would you get a master's degree in early childhood education? I don't, why would you do that? Anyways, I guess when you're a family or billionaires, you can get a master's degree in whatever you want, and it doesn't really matter because it's basically like going to the store and getting a biscuit. In general, though, if you're young and planning on doing that, don't do that. Moving on. She has been involved with this team for four seasons. They probably have interns that have been there for four years waiting for a promotion. She is educated as a teacher and is now running the Detroit Lions. She is now going to be essentially heading up with the help of whoever she decides to hire from this Ford company that apparently she's not really even involved in either. What a, what a mess. What an absolute mess. I mean, it's, it's great for us as Packer fans. It is just, it, it's hard as a person, as much as I want to be like, ha ha, lions stink, it's hard as a human being to think about guys like, I mean, let's face it, Matt Stafford, you know, Megatron, I mean, there have been some great football players who have gone through Detroit. There's the people of Detroit who, man, can they catch a break? And, and listen, I got nothing against people having a bunch of money. Awesome. I wish I had a bunch of money. You wish you had a bunch of money. Quit lying. You hate the rich because you ain't the rich. That's it. But the fact of the matter is, this is kind of messed up. Using a football team as a trophy. Don't do that. Like, get you, you've already got the stadium rights. It's Ford Field. Cool. There you go. It's got your name on it. Right? We'll give you whatever seat in the house you want. You want your own box? You get it. Turn the team over to somebody that cares about the team and knows what they're doing. Please do that. I mean, you can even still own it and do that, and they won't even do it. Find a football person to essentially be the owner. Pay them a ton of money to run everything. And you are the owner in name only. But you got to find football people to run this football team. I know I've done this rant like six times, and it's probably getting tiresome. It's just, it's so just upsetting. I mean, as somebody that just loves football, as a Packer fan, again, it's awesome. Ha ha, Lions are going to be terrible forever. But as a football fan, it's like, dude, you're really making this sport kind of garbage. I mean, the, the NFL is set up so that if you're really good, you, you can't maintain that forever. And if you're really bad, you shouldn't stay that way forever. But we have teams that stay at the top and teams that stay at the bottom because teams that stay at the top take advantage of teams that are at the bottom and are really dumb and don't know what they're doing. There's only 32 teams. I promise you there are 32 people in the world that know how to run a football team. There are 32 people that have the ability to not be dummies in regard to... And nobody knows everything, right? Nobody's going to draft perfectly. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, Ted Thompson, even during his heyday as a respected guy, he made mistakes. But as a general rule, the Green Bay Packers understood the right way to run a franchise, did that, and as a result had sustained success. Yes, Aaron Rodgers played a large part in that. But it's, it's, I mean, it's not a coincidence that some teams kind of generally stay. I mean, the Steelers and the the yeah, Saints-ish, the Patriots, and other teams stay at the bottom, which, again, there's no reason for it. And the teams that know what they're doing, they know what they're doing. And it's observable. It's, it's repeatable. Maybe not exactly the same. You can't repeat the Green Bay Packers' success exactly without Aaron Rodgers, but you can take the general ideas... Right? You notice how they don't spend all their money on a couple free agents because they're big-name guys that haven't been good in three years? They don't put their salary cap... I mean, this is basic math-type stuff. I mean, it's a little bit advanced, but there are some geniuses when it comes to numbers. 
some great accounting type people that can run your numbers for you so that you don't make stupid decisions. And then I think about, I'm just, just stuck on this train of thought here, the fact that these people run multi-billion dollar corporations, and yet when you look at what they do with football teams, it's essentially, hey, how can we get the most hype right now? I'm not worried about the long-term success. I'm just worried about right now. What if we bring in this guy that gets tons of hype and excitement? And, you know, granted, he's not very good, but what if we just brought him in? Be crazy, right? Like, you, you, you are a billionaire. How are you a billionaire? This is how you think and you run a company that is worth billions? I mean, your company's probably worth tr- I just... It makes me hate myself. Because I feel like if you can do it, why can't I do it? Somebody literally bottled water and made billions doing it. To this day, I think that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. To this day, I've said, if I can go back in time and somebody said, I got an idea, let's put water in a bottle and make people pay for it, I would say, nope, sounds stupid to me. Even knowing the guy's going to be a billionaire within... Stop. Stop it. Stop it, alarm clock. I'm up, I promise. I missed the first 18 alarms, but now I'm up. Knock it off. Thank you very much. I gotta go to work in like a half hour, and my phone's still trying to wake me up. I get it, dude. I would go back in time, and I would say, no, this is a dumb idea. I would turn down a billion dollars just to look that guy in the face and say, no, stupid. Because it is. And to this day, I still hate bottled water. Why are you doing that? And the obsession with, well, what about a car ride? I have lived with so many people. I, I drink water constantly. It's all I do. I drink water all day long. And there are people who think I'm crazy because of all the water I drink. They will go hours without drinking water. As soon as they set foot in a car, they're just so dying of thirst. 20-minute drive. Pack up bottles of water. It's, it's, a, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Even so, you don't need a bottle of water. There are containers with lids on them and even little straws and stuff. You can fill it up with water, even put ice in it if you want. Kind of dealer's choice on that. You can bring it in your car and survive. And if it's a super long drive, guess what they have? They have these things called gas stations where you can get beverages. I'm sorry, it's just my own inadequacy that's that's driving this. Because the dumbest people on planet Earth... I'm not going to say run the Detroit Lions because, you know, we know their name and I don't want to directly call anybody dumb. But people that don't know what they're doing are thriving. Why don't you and I thrive? What? Right now. All right. Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Collectively as a group, we're coming up with an idea. I want ideas. Give me an idea. All 1,000 of us. I think there's 940 people in that group. We'll split the money. A trillion dollars split 940 ways. Should we bottle air? I think people already do that, actually. Maybe motivational speaking. I don't know. But let's figure it out, and let's, let's, enough. Enough is enough. If they can do it, we can do it. Anyways. I mean, it, the point is, nothing's going to change in Detroit. That was, that was supposed to be the whole thing. It just, it, I can never talk about this and not get very upset. Because again, as a football fan, it's got to upset you a little bit. And maybe it's just a part of me that wants to believe that, that it's like super geniuses that run football teams. And GMs are all super geniuses, and coaches are all super geniuses, and CEOs are all super geniuses. And the, the older I get, the more I realize nobody's a genius. Nobody knows what they're doing. I mean, there's a couple geniuses, right? Elon Musk, guy's a freakish, freakish genius. You know, one of those weird people that when you talk to them, they're really, like, weird. You know the guy's a genius. All right, cool. You can be a billionaire. I get it. Totally understand that. You're better than me. I acknowledge that. Great. But you ever watch Undercover Boss? The guys don't know how to sweep. 
They need help putting on aprons, lifting boxes. Anyways. So if anything, I would guess the Fords are going to get worse. Moving on. Run by a early childhood education person. So at least the uh, Detroit Lions can look forward to nap time and juice boxes. So that'll be great. Ooh, maybe they can do half day. Is that still a thing? I don't think it's a thing anymore. Back in the day when kindergarten was half days. I, I, I didn't go to preschool. I didn't even, I've never even heard of preschool until I was older. I didn't know that was even a thing. I was probably like eight or nine. And somebody's like, oh, they're going to preschool. What is, what is preschool? Like before kindergarten is a thing? And then kindergarten was a half day. School used to be so laid back. Didn't have to do stuff. I think all I did in kindergarten was play Legos. And uh, have books read to me. We used to have to change stations. You know, okay, the Lego people go over to the art station. Which, I mean, come on. What do you think I'm going to do? Everybody gets up. They all start to shuffle around. I walk toward the art station. I make a big loop. I go back to the Lego station. I'm not a dummy. I'm going to make me do art? I don't think so. Um, anyways, on top of Jamal Adams, once again, and this is like the fifth or sixth time, so again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, um, Josh Gordon. So the question rises up about every three months or so when Josh Gordon decides that uh, he turned his life around and everything's all better again and he's ready to play football and he's so good and all that stuff. The question is, what do you think about Josh Gordon? My answer is, and always has been, and will be for the next at least year or two before he's 400 years old, yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. I don't care. I mean, Josh Gordon is at a point in his life where he doesn't cost any money. It's actually really sad. Um, I'm just looking at it right now. I wanted to see what his last paycheck was. Does this already say? It's random. Anyways, he's been in the league since 2012. One of the most talented wide receivers I mean, if, if he could have kept his head on straight and maybe gone to a better team than the Browns, we're talking about possibly the best receiver in football. The guy's been in the league, or in and out, whatever. He got into the league in 2012. His estimated career earnings, $5.3 million. We're talking eight years of, of football he could have played. Eight, he's made $5 million. Last year with the Patriots, he got paid $952 million, which, of course taxes and everything else. I mean, the, the guy's, he's got to have close to nothing. And right now he's 29 years old. So he's going to cost less than a million bucks. Um, if you just look at, for example, his PFF grade, I mean, 2019 wasn't spectacular, but prior to that, 2013, 14, 17, 18, he's always been good. I mean, if worst case scenario, we're handing $900,000 to one of the most talented receivers in football, and he comes in and puts out what he did in 2019, which he had a 63 overall grade, which is average. What did we lose? I mean, it, it, he played in 2018, played for Cleveland and New England. 2019 was New England and Seattle. So he gets bounced around a lot. I mean, which leads me to believe that there's, there's. I mean, we, I don't know. I look at him as a guy that smokes a little bit of pot, has some substance abuse issues. I mean, it's it's... It's not that big of a deal, but he has some control issues. He's getting it under control, but he's a generally good dude. But at the same time, the guy can't even stick on one team for a year. Imagine being with Cleveland in 2018 and halfway through a pretty solid season. Actually, it wasn't half. It was one game. Played one game and then got sent off to New England. And then he does actually really well for New England. 74.4 overall grade, had 720 yards and three touchdowns from week four to week 15 which over a normal 16-game season would have been 1,047 yards and four-ish touchdowns. And then he gets shipped off to Seattle. 
again, I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's maybe bigger issues with Josh Gordon because, again, if, if it's as simple as he's an elite wide receiver that costs $900,000 that sometimes has issues, but for the most part, he's a great guy. Everybody loves him. There's a possibility, though, that he's going to fall off the wagon and need to go to rehab. Why, why does that bother me? I mean, it's too bad for him, but it doesn't cost me anything. So I, I, I think there's maybe something else going on with Josh Gordon. Obviously very volatile. Not necessarily in his personality. I mean, he's not Odell Beckham flipping out and getting into fist fights with kicking nets. And losing, by the way. But it, it just, it's never made sense to me. But again, the answer to uh, the, the question is yes, I would take him in a second. Because again, it doesn't cost me anything. Give him some money, bring him in, give him the whole speech about, you know, we expect this and we expect that and blah, 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 blah. And he's either going to do it and we get a great wide receiver, he's going to do it and we get a mediocre wide receiver that sits on the bench, or he's not going to do it, he's going to get cut and we're back to where we were and we didn't lose hardly any money. The The risk to reward with Josh Gordon has always been way higher in the reward column than the risk column. And that's why I've always been a yes on Josh Gordon. Not because I expect him to be elite, just because it doesn't cost anything for the prospect of him being a very good wide receiver. So the answer is yes, but I doubt he's going to be coming to the Green Bay Packers or any other team for that matter. Somebody will give him a shot. And, and again, 2019, he fell off a cliff. So maybe things are really just spiraling downward for him and, and teams are just kind of throwing their hands up. Right, New England had him. He had one good game against Pittsburgh. After that, he had one game that was graded out as average. His grades were 58, 59, 56, 63, and 52. In that stretch, his yardage was... And, and remember, New England had terrible receivers. New, the New England Patriots have garbage receivers, and they had Josh Gordon on their team. He got 19 yards and no touchdowns, 83 yards and no touchdowns, 46, 59, 7. And after that one target, one reception for 7 yards, they said, all right, we're done, shipped him off to Seattle. Seattle had him from Week 10 to Week 15. Every single one of his games was in the 60s, but that was it. He had one game, well, one game was 58.7. But the point is, he never even had a good game with Seattle. His his stat line was 27 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, 34 yards, 58 yards. He didn't have a single touchdown. He provided almost nothing. I mean, this is like Geronimo Allison numbers. It's also like, I mean, it, it's, it's Geronimo Allison in every way. And then after week 15, Seattle was like, all right, good enough, bye. So again, I'm all for it. But just don't get your hopes up that this is like Josh Gordon of 2012 if we get him. Or I should say 2013, which really was his only real good year. In his best year statistically, and I'll grant you that he's talented or whatever, but 1,646 yards and 9 touchdowns, which the 1,600 yards is the one thing that blows everybody's mind, but he never cracked 1,000 yards outside of that since 2012. His rookie year he had 800 yards. The third best year he had was 2018, you know, when he was with Cleveland and New England, 700 yards and four touchdowns. There's just nothing there, man. So, sure, fine, I don't care, but I don't care either way. I'm not mad if they don't do it, which they won't. Um, Speaking of, there was something that I saw. Let me pull it up here. This is a tweet from Albert, well, I guess originally the MMQB Monday morning quarterback. Anyways, here's what Albert Breer says. Since April 1st, Just three veterans have signed extensions with their teams. The Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey, the Texans offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil, and the Patriots safety Patrick Chung. That's it. He says more on that on the MAQB plus a ton from the quarterback coaching summit, blah, blah, blah. I didn't listen. I don't care. I just, I'm not interested. But rather than listen to his explanation, I'm going to make up my own. I kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday, but the fact of the matter is how in the world is a team supposed to make long-term decisions when we don't know the future of the NFL. 
I don't expect, and this goes for extending Kenny Clark, right? Why hasn't that happened? What about extending Bakhtiari? What about this? What about that? Whether we're extending people or even cutting people, it's hard to make these decisions, which are never just decisions in a one-year context. You don't make any decision just based on this year. You have to look at it for the future of the... In other words, it's not just how it impacts this year, it's how it impacts future years. And the fact of the matter is we don't know how it impacts future years. Because again, as I said yesterday, the drastic swing between no season and we the, the salary cap falls, I forget, what did they say, $45 million? Something just crazy like that? Maybe I'm overstating it, but it, it falls by a lot. Or we have a season and the scheduled jump that we had or expected is through the roof, or maybe there's a season, but there's no fans, or some fans, which they're now saying they're going to let teams decide on their own what they decide to do, so some teams might have fans, others might not. Either way, that's going to result in less revenue. What does that mean? So there's a massive swing between worst-case scenario, no season, uh, or season with everybody having fans in the stands, which granted is unlikely, but let's just say it's a possibility, because who actually knows what's going to happen? Everything's so crazy right now. And every strange thing in between, you can't make long-term decisions. I mean, maybe some of the decisions you can make, but I think at this point, you've got most owners, GMs, etc., that are just kind of sitting there going, I don't know, we'll wait and see. And I'm sure they're telling the agents that. I'm sure the agents know and understand that, which stinks. And by the way, terrible timing by Jamal Adams to force his way out of the team. Because here's something crazy to think about. There's almost sort of like a, a, you know, like with the housing bubble or whatever, not only do a bunch of people lose their homes, but there's, if you picture the homes being football players, there's nowhere for these quote-unquote homes to go. I was thinking about this, just trying to play this out. Okay, let's say the Packers lose a bunch of money. The only way that you could keep your players is to force your players to take pay cuts, but what if they're not going to? Well, then the Packers are forced to cut the, you know, they, they cut David Bakhtiari, they cut Corey Lindsley, they cut whatever. They got to cut a bunch of, of players. Maybe they can sign Kenny Clark and that's about it. Okay, well then where do they go? Because if we're looking at 2021 and the Packers currently have $30 million in cap space, and I believe this is just based on the the current salary cap. In other words, if it, if it goes up $20 million, then they'll have 50 If it goes down $25 million, they have $5 million. But let's just say it goes down $25 million. Then the Vikings only have $4 million. The Raiders only have $3 million. Right, just go down the list. The Bills, the Bears, the Steelers, the Texans, the Falcons, the Saints, the Eagles. Look at teams just barely above the Packers, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Browns. All these teams end up having to cut everybody. And not everybody, but there's people that they would have signed that they can't. Other people that just to get their, their salary caps corrected, they got to cut somebody that they otherwise wouldn't have wanted to. They got to cut people early, probably take on a bunch of dead money that they didn't want because they have no other choice. But then, okay, well then, well then the the Colts will be able to you know slurp them all up because they'll be able to you know the Colts and the Chargers and the Jaguars and the Redskins and you'll have a massive outflux of of players from the teams with no money and a massive influx of those players going to these other teams. But the problem is you get kind of a supply and demand situation. So yes, you're going to have a massive transfer of talent from from the groups with less than ideal amounts of money to tons of money. But it's also a supply and demand issue because look at the f- massive flood of really talented players in the market. You think David Bakhtiari is getting $20 million if he's, if he's competing with five top-tier offensive tackles? No. The, the price tag is going down. In other words, 
essentially what the players are trying to avoid is going to happen anyways. They're taking a pay cut. The the if the salary cap goes backwards, so do the contracts. The only reason the contracts keep getting bigger and bigger is because the salary cap gets getting bigger and bigger. So either way, they're taking a pay cut if the salary cap goes down. And, and that's where the Packers are going to come to the table and say, look, I'm going to ask you to take a pay cut, and I know you don't want one, but the alternative is you get cut, you go somewhere else, and you get paid less than you want. So then just kind of thinking through this, the most logical thing to do would be to sign a one-year contract. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying if it's me. Because this is a one-time temporary thing. I don't want a long-term contract based on today's numbers and based on what people can afford and based on competing with 60 other free agents that are just floating around out here. Let them go sign five-year contracts. I'm going to stay here in Green Bay, sign a one-year contract, and then when we get back after it and the massive increase in salary cap instead of being 2021 ends up being 2022 and a bunch of really big-name guys all just got signed to long-term contracts, I'm sitting here with a one-year contract and now next year when there's a bunch of money, hopefully, unless some other crazy nonsense happens, now's when the big money is. And so again, there's there's kind of a waiting game, but if there is any massive implications in terms of what happens to the set, in, in other words, if we get definitive answers like, look, we're having a season, uh, but it's going to be severely limited, so the salary cap is going to stay stagnant or maybe go down a little bit. I would have to assume the smart play and something that we're going to see a lot of are shorter one-term contracts. Because again, this is not the time to be competing in the market, because there's there's no big money here. Now, if you're you know 35 years old or whatever, and you get offered a two-year, yeah, take it. But if you're looking for that first big contract, and that's when it's really going to stink, because you're supposed to get that big contract, and it's going to be you know like Kenny Clark. It's not ideal. And again, Jamal Adams timed this really poorly because he's saying I want out. He's pushing his way out. And now he's floating out there in a the market when nobody can touch him. They don't know if they can afford him. They don't know what the appropriate amount of money to pay him is. And again, if there's a negative, massive negative impact to the salary cap, if news comes out that there's not going to be a football season, he's not going to be the highest paid defensive safety in football. He wants to get paid more than, you know, the, the $14.75 million or whatever the highest paid safety is. Thinking he's going to make $15, $16, 17000000 That's not going to happen, dude. And the best case scenario for you would be to go back to the Jets, who you've already burned that bridge, and to sign a short-term contract, better luck next year. I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to think through this stuff and how it's all going to work out. And as much as it's not going to be great, it, it's, you know, again, who knows what's going to happen, right? Because, again, if we just look at the Green Bay Packers, we're going to say, man, if we lose money, we're losing a bunch of players and that stinks. Well, everybody's kind of in the same boat, though, so where are they going to go? Which is why I tend to think you will see some players, and, and some players are just going to refuse, right? No, I'm worth more. I'm, I'm, I expect more. That's it. And if you are the best of the best, then again, you'll have teams with a ton of money that will pay that amount of money to get those top guys. But I don't know if guys like Bakhtiari are in that category. I mean, of course, he's one of the best, but he's also pretty old. He's not Jamal Adams. He's not the best at the position and 24. He's arguably the best at the position, and he's in his well, nearly 30. Either way... Leaving all the speculation aside, the point is don't expect any massive moves by anybody until we get a little bit more clarity, which I don't know if there's going to... When is there going to be clarity? I mean, I'm just picturing an NFL season in which things are just chaotic and ridiculous and some teams have full stadiums and some teams don't, but there's still no clarity because there's still going to be this feeling that at any moment they can shut it down. I mean, how can you feel secure that, okay, in October we're playing football, so it must be fine. However, four spikes across four different states, right? You're going to see that in the news, and then there's going to be all the speculation about potential shutdowns, and there's going to be... I, I just don't think owners and GMs are ever going to feel comfortable 
which by the way, final thought, and I didn't even get to Jamal Adams, uh, point is, well, all right, I will do that, but it'll be very quick. The, the, the other big problem with this is, and I saw um, Ken Ingles was talking about, well, we can only really keep two of the big-name guys. Who do you want to keep? One of the ways that I think you can get possibly three out of that is by signing some people this year and some people next year. Because you stagger when it's expensive. You can structure it so that the first year is really inexpensive, and then in year two it starts to spike, which is kind of what I did with the Jamal Adams contract. But even a lot of the Green Bay Packers contracts, the first two years are relatively low. So again, you stagger it so that, okay, you signed Kenny Clark this year, so this year he costs almost nothing. In actuality, it almost makes sense to do that more with David Bakhtiari, because then you're actually saving money this year, but whatever. So you sign Kenny Clark, he doesn't cost very much, he still doesn't cost a ton next year, and then in year three it starts to get more expensive. And so again, now you look at next year and you say, well, Kenny doesn't cost us that much. Let's say he's costing us $10 million in 2021. And you say, well, we've only got 30, so we've only got 20 left. How can we sign two more guys? Well, let's look at the Jamal Adams contract that I uh, drew up real quick, if I pull it up here. So if I structured Jamal Adams' contract so that it looked like Landon Collins' contract, this year, in 2020, we would pay him a, a uh, well, with his roster bonus and his base salary, his total cap hit would be $4.8 million. And this is a guy who's making $15 million a year on average. So if you sign two guys next year in 2021 and you're paying them a cap hit of about $5 million, it costs $10 million for to keep, let's say, Kevin King and David Bakhtiari. And then Ke- Kenny Clark is $10 million, so that would be $20 million in total. We've got $10 million left over. It's not much, but it would be a way that you would do that. And again, you would stagger it. But again, the problem is if we don't sign anybody this year because we're too scared to and everybody has to get signed next year, we now can't stagger it. And the problem isn't 2021, because obviously, oh, that's even better for 2021, because then he signs three guys for for that amount of money, and now it's only 15 instead of 20 million. The problem is they all go up at the same time. Then next year, they're all worth 10 million. You know, again, they're going to be different prices, but just bear with me here. This is These are fictitious numbers. They're all worth 10, so now it's 30 million for the three of them. And then they all jump to 15. Now it's 45 million. The benefit of staggering is that it gives you a lot more flexibility. And right when a bunch of guys are starting to get expensive, you start to look at other guys who just aren't worth it anymore and you can just dump their contracts. And you kind of play this shuffling game where really expensive guys get cut so that we're making room for this guy to suddenly be, you know, Devante, his his contract is exploding. Well, now we can afford it because we moved on from Balaga and some other people. But you got to be able to stagger. And if you have an entire year of not signing, not extending nothing, it causes a massive problem in this staggering structure. So it's, it's just, it's messing everything up. And hopefully we're, we're going to get to a point where we sign or extend somebody this year. And, and Kenny Clark will make sense. And I would expect maybe, you know, during training camp or whatever, kind of like with Aaron Rodgers, they'll get something done with Kenny. Because you know you're going to keep him, right? It's just a matter of how do you structure the contract maybe. But again... Even if this is sort of a short-term thing and, and we got to work out some ways to make this work, we know he's going to be here for a long time. We know the salary cap will eventually go back up. If it doesn't next year, it will beyond then, and everything will be fine. We should be able to come to some kind of an agreement. So I, I think it'll be okay. But again, that's another complicating factor, not just for the Packers, for a lot of other teams. Who do you extend? Right? You probably wouldn't want to extend a David Bakhtiari or, or one of the veterans right now because, again, you might not have the money to be able to keep him anyways. I don't know crazy times but real quick the Jamal Adams contract the one that I had um, and again you can structure these a bunch of different ways but his cap hits would be as follows and I posted the whole thing up on Twitter if you want to look at how it's structured or whatever but in 2020 he would cost us 4.8 million dollars 
obviously we can afford that. The problem begins in 2021, 15.3, then in 2022 it jumps to 18.4, 17.4, 18.4, and then his last year is 15.4 million. Now, I'll be honest, this doesn't look like a Packers structured contract to me, just having done this several times. Generally, the Packers, I think what they would do is more front or uh, backload it. The, the structure of this makes it so that he's probably going to be there for the length of the contract, which is why he would why a guy like Landon Collins would want a contract like that. When it drops down to $15 million in 2025, that's going to be almost nothing. So it's going to incentivize them to keep him around. The Packers don't play that game. It's going to be really, we're going to give you a huge signing bonus, which is going to backload the contract a little bit. We're going to structure it so that the first two years are relatively low. So there's not a big second year jump. There's usually a big third year jump. And then what happens is, is by three, four, five years, as your play begins to decline, your your cost begins to go up, and that's why you're not going to make it to the end of this contract. And if you do, fine. You'll be expensive, but you'll be still in the range of, of what a general person who's very good at this gets paid. So in other words, it's incentive-based. If you're still one of the top players in the position, you'll get paid like one of the top players in the position. If you're not, we have the ability to get out of this contract. So again, it's, it's not definitive, and I should have based it on one of the Packers players just to make it look more like a Packers contract. But again, I just wanted to show kind of what I was talking about in terms of just because he's getting $15 million, $16 million a year doesn't mean we're paying him $16 million this year or even next year. Although in this contract, he is getting paid $15 million in the very second year. Anyways, I got to get going, so you folks have yourselves a fantastic uh, Wednesday. I love having Mondays off. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.